I'm well. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're great. You're great. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's late for me, so we're recording later than we normally do. Um, we normally, I would say we record normally about um, three, usually is sort of the golden hour for recording. Um, and it's a little after 9 p.m. my time. And what is it your time? So it's 1 p.m. my time. So I'm in New Zealand and I'm in the future. It's Wednesday. So it's, to, it's tomorrow. <gasps> yeah, it's Wednesday. Wow. This is, did you ever see that movie 12 Monkeys? No. Neither have I, but I think, <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> I think it's about Bruce Willis time traveling. And okay, nice. In order to, and I think there was a TV series with Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, and He's they're time traveling, and in order to communicate, they have a, a phone that they can call from the future to the past. So that's what we're doing right now. That's what we're doing right now, and that's just inherently yep. what New Zealanders do all the time. It's magical. That's so great. Now, <laughs> yeah. did you did you grow up there? Yes, for better or worse, I grew up in New Zealand. Yeah, and <laughs> um, and quite sort of provincial, semi-rural New Zealand, actually. So, yeah, even less exciting. Now, the only city that – is Auckland the capital? It's not the capital, but it's the biggest city. Oh, okay. It's one of those situations. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But I'm impressed that you know a New Zealand city. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, I try. Um, <laughs> Most people don't. Well, I don't think I could name all 50 states. So um, there's that. Oh, I definitely can't. Well, what's your favorite? What, what, name 10. Can you name 10 states, do you think? Oh, this is a horrible putting on the spot of a <laughs> humble five, New Zealander. Five, five states. <laughs> five states. I mean, I have traveled to the states. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been to... I think at least five different places in the States. You've I've been, been to, to LA. LA. These are cities, of course. That's a but city. I've been to LA, San Francisco, New York, Austin, Houston, and New Orleans. So that's four. That's four states total. Can states. You name, can you name one more? Um, There's some really easy ones. Illinois. Like, perfect. Perfect. You got it. What made you think of Illinois. I was just sort of thinking of like other cities I haven't been and sort of <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. No, I haven't been there either. I would have, um, I thought you would have gone for Florida because to me it's very like iconic um, in that it's America's Wang. Um, yeah. And also, <laughs> and also that just like so much bizarre news comes out of it and that it's such an important state for and uh, important state for for politics and also Disney World. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I don't think a lot about Florida, but those are good reasons to potentially think about Florida. Maybe think about it a little more. Yeah. Maybe work it into your <laughs> your day to day. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been to the states. I will. I will. And you you were living in London for a while too, right? Yeah. So basically the way that I'm trying to set up my life is to have what I call a bi-hemispheral existence, Uh which is being down in New Zealand for New Zealand summer, which we're about to come into, Mm -hmm. and then being back up in London and Berlin 
for Northern Hemisphere summer. Mm. So I did live in London for two years and I also lived in Berlin for another two years almost. Um, so that's kind of still where my heart is, to be honest. Mm. But my my family is here. That's cool. I um I only went to the Southern Hemisphere for the first time this year, and it was a real treat because I went down in at the beginning of April when it was still pretty gross in New York, and I was in Buenos Aires for you know about like two weeks, and it was fall there. Yeah, um, lovely. And it was so lovely. Yeah, it is it's nice the way that we can kind of alternate, you know, if the weather's terrible where you are, you can always come down here. Right now it's also terrible here. Oh um, yeah. In general, yeah. Anyway, that's weather chat. <laughs> <laughs> that's weather chat. Um we're legally obligated to do that because this podcast is recorded in New York, so uh, we do have to talk about the weather for at least five minutes in every episode. <laughs> yeah. um, but so, what, how do you do this? How do you do this? Like, make this bi-hemispheric life work? It sounds so great. Yeah, I mean, the most difficult part is trying to get enough of my income freelance. So, mm. I'm a lawyer by trade. That's my background. Oh. I describe myself as a waning lawyer because I don't have that much interest in being in the industry anymore. Um, but that's, that's how I sort of started life or started my career. And along the way, I've always done freelance writing on the side, and now it's increasingly becoming a bigger part of uh, what I do and my income, I guess. Um, so if I'm writing, I can be anywhere, really. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's just a matter of kind of, yeah, being being freelance kind of most of the time. How does that work traveling around? Because New Zealand isn't, for, like, you're not, obviously not part of the EU, I don't think. No, we're not. I'm so glad you said that. I wasn't sure <laughs> if there was some weird thing. Sure on that. You're about as unsure on that as I am on U.S. states. So. <laughs> that made me We're feel even. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I know. Yeah. Listen, I know New Zealand isn't in Europe, but I was just like, it's a part of, I guess, the like Aust Australia thing. Like, what's there's something <laughs> Pacific, something I don't know. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> When, yeah, I mean, we have close kind of diplomatic ties to uh -huh. Australia. New Zealanders can live in Australia, for example, without oh, visas okay. or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So we're definitely part of the Australia thing. It's yes. the Australia uh, complex. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've just been jumping around and doing freelance stuff. And I know right now, are you editing for, um, for a site? I was. So when I was living in Berlin, I was working for a website called Heisnerbiety, mm -hmm. um, which is a kind of lifestyle website. They write a lot about sneakers and that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm not there anymore. So I've moved on from that particular role. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm still, yeah, editing and um, writing freelance. Actually, this is interesting. And maybe, I don't know if this necessarily needs to go on the um, recording, but I got an email this morning from Alana, 
who I believe was your editor at Mel. Yes, yes, and past yeah. guest on the show. Has she been? Oh, cool. Yes. Yeah, and she said, because you've got your new job as a managing editor, yes. and congrats, by yes. the way. thank you. And I guess um, I actually haven't mentioned this um, publicly yet, and let's, we'll, we'll put this in. I think it's fine unless there's something that comes up later on that isn't, but um, I haven't really said this publicly, but yeah, because of that managing editor job at Verve, we are sunsetting the column, which is terribly sad. And it was going for like a year and was like, I love Alana so much. And I think I do want to work with her more in the future, but it'll just be on one-off pieces. Um, but so is she asking yeah. you to sort of like, to sort of start your own sort of thing in, in place of that? Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. <gasps> so yes, I'll be somewhat yes. taking up the mantle. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm going to be writing regularly for Mal Magazine. Amazing. Which is really cool. Yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. Oh, that was such a good gig. Um, yeah, like Alana was really the first person who got me a regular writing job and basically just like trusted me to to sort of do the weird things that I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I got to do so many like really weird, goofy things, but then also more serious pieces too. Um, and yeah, because like some of the some of the pieces on there from the last year are some of the pieces that I'm proudest of, like especially a couple of the interviews. Yeah. Um, and then it was weird too. Like there were some pieces that I thought of as like kind of frivolous, but then like I would get messages from people being like, oh my God, this totally helped me understand like my whole thing or like why yeah. this aspect of a relationship isn't working or whatever. And now I can fix it. Like, thank you so much. Like, oh my God. People are like taking what I say seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I better be careful. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And I really loved the piece where you interviewed men who escort women who are getting abortions or people who are getting yeah. abortions. Um, but I know exactly what you mean about that kind of, because I also sort of do writing that, you know, sometimes I'm writing about, you know, tenancy law in New Zealand, which mm. feels like serious kind of necessary writing. Yeah. And often it doesn't particularly resonate or I don't get much feedback. And then I'll write something about bisexual men and the women who love them or mm -hmm. are really into it. And I just get inundated with, you know, thank you so much for writing about that. That's exactly my experience. You made me feel more comfortable about admitting my bisexuality. And it's interesting what, yeah, what you write about that people kind of really take to. And I think if you write about sex and relationships, you can feel like you're talking about something quite frivolous, like you said, but for people that's incredibly important, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, it's like day-to-day -day stuff. It's like, you know, people's lives. I think people think that like, I mean, I tend to think like, oh, this isn't like important stuff that I'm doing. Um, but it's not just the sort of, you know, big picture stuff that is important. Like in the context of all that is like people just living their lives and like thinking about how to deal with relationships and with like personal uh, problems is important. It is important. And I think that people go online to talk about this kind of stuff, perhaps more than they do you know, in other areas. Like I think a lot of this stuff, people just aren't really talking to their friends about it. Mm -hmm. so. 
Yeah. Now, we can't really talk about what we're talking about without talking about um, the project through which I came to follow you online. Um, yeah. Which is Critique My Dick Pics. Yes, um, my baby. Which was when did you start? When did you start doing that? Was that like 2013 or 14 or something? It was 2013. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost about to turn five. <gasps> oh wow! That's yeah. so exciting. Yeah, it's been going a long time. Yeah, That's an eternity and blog years. <laughs> it is. So for people who somehow have never seen the blog, could you give a brief rundown of what? It, I mean, from the title, it's kind of obvious, but it's not. I don't think that explains everything because your approach is really um, detailed and and just like totally great. Yeah. So the website is called Critique My Dick Pick and it is pretty much exactly how it sounds. People send me dick pics and I critique just the picture. So yeah. not the dick itself. Right. Um, I judge it on its photographic merits. So. Um, does it have natural lighting and is it adequately zoomed out and is it overly dick-centric or does it reveal <laughs> some of the rest of the body? These kinds of things. And the whole kind of ethos of the site is that I don't criticise bodies at all. Mm, so I mm -hmm. don't talk about penis size or people's weight or people's skinniness or hair or anything like that it's just strictly about the photo yeah and it's been going for so long that you've like developed a language for like different kinds of genres of compositions right like one of them yeah. is one of them is just like the log I think yeah the log so the log is the most common kind of dick pic and that's when it's usually a cis man takes a picture of his dick from a bird's eye view angle with the penis just taking up basically the entire frame of the shot. <laughs> and sometimes if it's a particularly bad one, there are feet in the background and that's it. <laughs> is it, wait, is it like on something or is it just, just there? It's just there. It's like erect and pointing out okay. and the camera's above. So mm. yeah, that's, that's the log. The least imaginative kind of <laughs> dick pic, basically. <laughs> what are some of your favorites? Because I have, well, I would say I have more favorites in the sense that they are just so terrible. Um, I don't really have any, <laughs> like, I mean, I can appreciate the aesthetic qualities, um, but I have some favorites that are just like the, the kindness of like really uh, terrible things that some people do. But what are, do you have some like actual like favorites in terms of technique? Well, I do have a terrible favorite given that we're on the topic, yes. which is this one that kind of haunts me. And it's because the title was I tried. <laughs> and so I got this email and the title is always just the subject line of the email. So the email said I tried. And then it was this image of a guy in the bath, which is quite a common location for a dick pic and mm -hmm. often can be quite erotic and quite right. a good place to, to stage a dick pic sure. but he basically all the suds had gone kind of flat so it was like soapy water but there were no actual bubbles anymore mm -hmm. and his dick was just kind of floating sort of like oh. half erect in this gray <laughs> 
grey <laughs> mass of water. And it was so sad. And it was so clear that he hadn't tried it at all. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sweetie. So that sticks out as basically being one of the worst. Yeah. God. Okay, so my my favorite genre, I think, would have to be the one where it's someone holding something next to it like um holding oh yeah a can of soda or like i've seen like a can of like a uh, wood cleaner or like bug spray or like yeah. a, a water bottle yeah. like just for, for for scale like it's like very like you yeah. know, scientific like or just just so you can really get a good sense yeah that's really common and they're just the worst they're just <laughs> yeah they are the worst I always give them really bad ratings I've also seen a toothpaste tube used oh, um, but the okay. most common one is a lighter like a disposable lighter I guess because they're quite small <laughs> so they tend to be flattering okay okay I guess so yeah um I think I've seen the soda can quite a bit um and then I just get concerned, but um, I just I get, yeah. this, I get this picture of someone's life where they're just sitting around with soda cans, like, oh, I got to drink another soda so I can take a new picture. Um, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like you're doing, you've been doing a public service of just like trying to improve the quality of pics that are out there. Um, and that, I feel like I tried to do some similar kinds of things when I was writing for Mel in terms of like getting people to do better when they reply to news or like uh, things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that just to briefly go back to the objects included for scale mm -hmm. thing, I think this gets at one of the big problems with dick pics, which is that often it's men sending them and they're just using them as advertisements for size, basically, mm -hmm. or they can't get mm -hmm. beyond the question of size. And the idea of the whole project is basically to say, look, like anybody, no matter what you're kind of working with, can take a good dick pic. And it's not about it's not about the size of your penis. But it's a hard it's a hard line to sell. <laughs> yeah. No, that seems that's such like a good pro like project or like enterprise um because yeah it's like I don't know I I never really like got why I mean what am I trying to say I think it's fascinating that men are so much more concerned with the size of their decks than um like women who sleep with men seem to be like yeah I, I know plenty of women who sleep with men who like do you talk about it and do you care? But like, I've never heard any of them say, like, it's only ever in the sense of like it being good. Like if it's presumably if it were not big enough, they would be saying that, but I've like never really heard that. Um, so like, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's very strange. Um, I guess that's sort of the whole point of masculinity is that it's like for other men. It's like that, that's, who the audience actually is um but that's it's very strange Definitely. yeah it's very strange it is strange I mean whenever I look at my inbox I often get 
you know, quite involved, quite personal messages from the men who are sending me dick pics. Mm. And they'll divulge all their insecurities about their bodies and it's almost always around penis size, although not exclusively. Mm. But it, it just strikes me as, yeah, exactly like you say, like I promise you women don't care about this to the level that you think. Yeah. And it strikes me as being a little bit like women who are preoccupied with being very thin and you talk to most men and they are just baffled by it and they're like, what, like we don't care, we actually just don't care, like please stop thinking like this. And that's, I suppose, in the same way that men are kind of performing masculinity for other men women kind of do this almost as a way of bonding with other women, you know, like right. they just hate my body. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost gone beyond the point of like sexual attraction. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's awful and terrible and bizarre. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> it's yeah. I guess like bonding maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a sick kind of bonding in a culture that is very sick and uh, bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, what have you been up to lately? Um, you moved on from the uh, the Berlin job. You're going to be starting this Mel thing. What have you been doing in the last few months? Yeah, so I've been back in Berlin and London for the last few months. So I only just got back to New Zealand, uh, like, literally last week. And I've been freelancing, um, just, so just doing writing. And now that I'm back down here, I'm going to be kind of sticking a toe back into the legal waters mm-hmm. um, and working for a law firm part-time. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I'm, like, really straddling the two industries right now. (laughs) Um, It's not that common to be a part-time lawyer. No. I'm giving it a go, yeah. Yeah, no, because it seems like definitely one of those, um, well, it's like a professional field, right? So um, you're, you know, the expectation, I think, is that you're, like, chasing the brass ring constantly. Um, Yeah. And... Yeah. So, but, but you kind of like see yourself as doing some of that and doing some of writing. Is that sort of the way you see things going for, for a while? Yeah, that's how I see it going for a while. I mean, I don't have a lot of enthusiasm for the legal industry Uh in the sense that it's incredibly demanding. Like you were saying, it's often got a very conservative culture and it, it gives me a sense of basically like injustice being quite entrenched into the system and and Mm -hmm. difficult to change. Um, So like pretty much everyone, I started out very idealistically and I was involved in um, the like criminal justice system or that area of law. I was a defender for a while. Mm. And, yeah, you just realise you're kind of up against the wall and we probably need to just tear it all down and start again. Um, So, yeah, so 
I, I no longer kind of think of myself as, you know, a sort of career lawyer on this track to, I don't know, becoming a top barrister or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I still think there's the potential to use, I guess, the skills I've developed to try and kind of be a bit of an advocate or perhaps to inform my writing or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that seems really great because that's the problem with those skills, right? Is that they are really difficult to acquire and they are really like arcane. That knowledge is very specialized. And so I think this is true of most professions, but the people who do end up getting those skills and that knowledge usually become so entrenched in the professions that, you know, it's they're they don't have the time and maybe they've just been so like thoroughly institutionalized or indoctrinated that they aren't um, invested in using those skills like outside of those systems. And of course, of course there are people who do. Um, but often I think they're working against this sort of existing setup in order to do that. That's exactly the case. Yeah. Particularly what you're saying about people becoming kind of institutionalized because I'm noticing that all these people that I went to law school with who used to be kind of, you know, quite radical socialists or, you know, whatever, are starting to just really speak like lawyers now. Mm. And, you know, because it's all about, it it is kind of, you know, this is sort of the joke about lawyers, but it does often come down to just pedantic wording differences. Um, And you start to get into this lawyer mindset where you're saying, well, you know, but the legislation says this, when maybe we should be thinking, well, let's scrap the legislation then and maybe let's scrap the entire court system. I don't know. Yeah. You do just get into this tiny little box thinking. Yeah, and it seems really difficult to to break out of that, for sure. Yeah. I mean, most of us have tens of thousands of dollars worth of debt as well. So right, we, kind of yeah. need to, we need to ride the system for a little bit at least. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Another sigh moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've, I feel like you've lived in like, a lot of places um, and you've traveled to the States and stuff. Is there anywhere else that you've been that hasn't come up yet? That I've traveled to? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are a few places. I, I don't know. Like I don't like talking about it so much because sure. for example, I've been like backpacking through Southeast Asia, which I think is the like reserve of <laughs> terribly corny people. Uh-huh. <laughs> But maybe I'm a terribly corny person because I've done it. I mean, I, <laughs> just because something <laughs> is typically terrible, uh, you know, associated with terribly corny people, I don't think it always has to be. I think it's in how you do it, right? Yeah, I think so. Thank you for the show of faith. Oh, yeah, but of course. Yeah, yeah, I have, um, I have be- visited, um, yeah, Southeast Asia. So when I was still at uni, I went to Thailand and Vietnam and Cambodia. When you're living in London and Berlin, it's like a 40-euro flight to Prague and 
um, Dubrovnik and yeah. various, you know, it's it's so easy to just kind of see so many places from there, which is part of the reason I don't really love being in New Zealand anymore because we are, um, like my dad says, on the arse end of the world <laughs> and we're, four, like, it's four hours to get to even just Australia, um, whereas when you're in Europe, you know, a four-hour flight will take you to pretty much any of the cities within Europe. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I miss. We're that quite so isolated much. down here. Yeah, being in the states too is like, if you want to get like, I was in California, which of course is like the furthest away from New York you could get, but like it's a five-hour yeah. flight. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were you living in Europe as well? I was for a year. I was living in Leeds in England and um Oh nice. Yeah. So I got to How just, was it? Uh it was school. I mean, in a lot of ways it was terrible, but <laughs> yeah. It in personal ways. It was the worst year of my life in a lot of ways. Okay. But in terms of like access to places I'd never been, it was amazing. And like I haven't been back to continental Europe since then, and I would really like to sometime. Um, but yeah, it was like, oh, it's the weekend. Let's get like a hundred dollar Ryanair ticket to France or something. Yeah, or like Turkey. Yeah, that's like amazing. that sounds great. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It was so Why good. was it the worst year of your life, or is that a uh, bit, just like a lot of pers- a lot of personal reasons? Basically, like the short version is that. Um, I was in a relationship and, um, yeah, that relationship was a really bad from the start for reasons that I'm actually friends with this person, uh, now, but we basically, it was the first time we, either of us had been with someone and we had so much like garbage in our brains and also didn't really know how to be in a relationship. So we were constantly fighting, but in that way where it's like impossible to pull apart. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that year we were trying to do what you would now call like poly, except we didn't really have the language for that then because it wasn't really mainstream. So basically yeah. what that meant is like a lot of terrible decisions <laughs> and like a lot of really intense reactions to things and um, just like kind of a a bad time for everyone involved. Um, so oh, no. that's why. Um, but yeah, I am really good friends with that person now. Um, like years later we were just like, oh wow, we like really, we really, uh, really fucked that one up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like we, <laughs> we had dinner like a week ago, we were talking about jobs and like personal oh, life cool. and stuff. So yeah, it's sort of one of those like, well, like, because I've had relationships where I haven't spoken to them, those people since they've ended and I don't see myself speaking to those people again. And, um, this one wasn't like that, I guess, because we broke up because I, I was moving, but like, it was, wasn't until after that we were really able to be like, oh, now that we have some distance, we can realize that we both acted in really terrible ways, um, that we no longer would. But at the time when you're in college and it's like your first relationship and you don't know anything about anything, um, wow, is it easy to just like make a mess. 
Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. But that's great that you're still friends. I know. I think it's so cool. Um, yeah, and um, she actually lives in New York now. So, uh, oh, cool. Yeah, like the odds of it are so low because we're both Canadian. Um, and she was living in California for a while, and then we both happen to be in New York now. So, yeah, but that stuff was the bad part. And then the good stuff was basically everything else where, like, I got yeah. to go to so many places. Like, I may have told this story on this show before, but um, over winter break, when we had, like, a few weeks off, most people, um, most of the international students that I was living with, they would fly home for a while. Um, and instead of doing that, we bought rail passes and basically just yeah, cool. like went to as many places as we could. So we spent like one day everywhere, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, it was like just rapid fire, like Florence, um, like Pisa, Venice, Rome, uh, like Nice, Paris, um, Prague, uh, just like all Perfect. of these, all of these places, um, mostly Western Europe, although we did get to Eastern Europe a bit later on. Um, I went to Poland, which is like where my family is from. Um, and have you ever been there? Yeah. I went to Warsaw. I didn't know your family was from Poland. Half I'm not of, sure why. Half, of, the, <laughs> half of them are kind of, it's more like a quarter, I guess. But that yeah. is very, that's like the very strong because my paternal grandmother is Polish. And that, I guess, is sort of like she has sort of shaped the whole identity of that side of the family. My paternal grandfather was yeah. Hungarian and was born in Canada, but the family really strongly associates with, with Poland. But um, you, so you have been, you were in Warsaw? Yeah, so when I was living in Berlin, I just got the train, sort of like you did. Um, it's like a two-hour train ride to Warsaw. So mm -hmm. it was a kind of why not thing. Yeah. I didn't really know that much about Poland or what to expect, but we had a good kind of three or four nights there. I just went with another friend. So, mm. yeah, I've been briefly. So my favorite part of Poland, and this is like kind of tacky because it's probably one of the biggest tourist sites in the country but in um like in Wielicza which I've probably just mangled because I don't know how to speak Polish <laughs> there is a, a salt mine like a decommissioned salt mine um okay that was opened in the 13th century and ran until 2007 and um now it's just a tourist site but like you basically go down into the salt mine and you can see like all this, this stuff that's still there. But the best part is there's a chapel that was built in the salt mine. So it's just like carved into wow. the walls with these chandeliers and everything. And it's like one of my favorite places oh in the world. God. You should look it up. It's so beautiful. Um, that so, sounds incredible. Yeah. If you're ever back there, uh, you should totally go because yeah, there's like all these statues and like chapels and things that were carved out of the salt by the miners, um, which is like amazing. really amazing. I think actually I'll put this, uh, Oh, I don't know. There's a, th a section on Wikipedia. This is virtual tour, but it's just eight pictures. <laughs> so that's not really so much a tour <laughs> as it is, um, some pictures, but I'll, I'll try and find a video yeah. and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. 
Okay. Well, yeah. if I'm ever swinging by Poland again, yeah. I'll make a point you know, of going there. If you're in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, do you want to move on to yes. the only segment that we do on the show? What's the only segment that you do? The only segment that we do on the show is called Get Wrecked. Get Wrecked. Oh, it's yeah. a segment. Yeah, you know, it's everyone knows the I segment. Know. Everyone knows how it goes. Um, everyone knows that tune. Who could forget that jingle? Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking about those Maxwell Coffee House commercials with um, Anthony Stewart Head. And I'm unfamiliar. Um, just, you're please, you're aware with please of, tell me. you're aware of Anthony Stewart Head, of course. Did you ever watch? Just... Did you ever watch Buffy? No, I never watched Buffy. This is a gaping hole oh, in my okay. pop culture. No, knowledge. no, no. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. At this point, if you haven't seen it, I don't really think it's necessary. But he was the sort of father figure, protector, watcher guy. Um, but prior okay. to that, um, he was in. Maybe it wasn't Maxwell. He was. He was sort of like famous for doing coffee commercials. It was Taster's Choice. Um, he did a whole bunch of them and, uh, yeah, I don't know. They were, it's just coffee jingles for some reason are the ones that stick most in my head. Um, okay. So we've gone off into uh, the void, but let's come back. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> let's recommend some things. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Do you want to go first or should I go first? Um, I don't mind going first. Please. If, if- if Please. that's okay. It's yeah. okay. So one thing that I would recommend that I've been doing lately or reading lately is The Dispossessed, which mm. is a book I understand that lots of Americans read in like English classes in high school. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, Ursula K. Le Guin died earlier this year. Yes. And when that happened, I had one of these kind of like dumb bitch energy moments where I was like, she sounds like an incredible person, but I have read none of her work. Yeah. Absolutely none of her work. Um, and people that I'm really fond of and people who kind of have the same values as me, I think were talking about how, you know, how much her work really kind of changed their whole outlook. So I decided I need to get stuck in and started with The Dispossessed. And it's lovely and it's making me think so much about how we spend a lot of time kind of criticising what's wrong with the world, I guess, mm. and not as much time imagining what a better world would look like. And this is literally kind of the imagining of a better world on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm really enjoying it, and I think I would I would wreck it. Great, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, have you read it? I have not. It's on my list, and like many people, I think I put it on my list when she passed away. Um, I have read The Left Hand of Darkness, yeah, which is sort of the other big one. Okay, um, that a lot of people do. I think some people do read that in school. We didn't really read that many cool books in school, as far as I remember. We read we read some Hemingway Same. short stories. We read um, 
Well, I guess we read To Kill a Mockingbird. That was okay. Yeah. Uh, we read the story called The Chrysalids, I think, which uh, at the time I really did not care for. Um, it's Yeah. It actually, no, I, I don't like it much at all because, do you know what this book is about? It's actually relevant to New Zealand. No. Um, is it? Tell me. Or is it? Um, yes, it is. <laughs> is it the Australia complex? No, 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 no. <laughs> so it's a book about like <laughs> mutants and people with psychic powers in post-apocalypse, uh, Labrador in, uh, in Newfoundland in Canada. And, um, okay. It's just, I don't understand. I, it's been so long since I've read it. And all I remember is that the end of the book is basically like a deus ex machina where New Zealanders arrive in helicopters and like save them the, all the characters and that's oh my god the end of the book I could be, have this wrong because it's been a long time since I read it so maybe it is more artfully done than that because I think it's um I don't know I think people liked it um but I didn't care for it Oh, yeah. There's critical disagreement so, regarding whether the intervention of the Sealand culture, which is what they call New Zealand, okay. should be considered a deus ex machina. Wow. So a whole lot of New Zealanders just come in at the end and In helicopters. Yeah. Very lazy. But wow. <laughs> I know. Well, it was 1955. <laughs> you could get away with a lot. I think people think about New Zealand sort of like this, though. Like, I see quite a lot of chatter on my Twitter feed about moving to New Zealand, you know, this was the big kind of thing yeah. after Trump was elected mm -hmm. where everybody just says, oh, you know, like this place is a dump. We're going to move to idyllic little New Zealand, which good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, same with Canada. I mean, that's a popular one too. Like the perennial cry of yeah. the, the liberal, I'm moving to Canada. I actually, yeah, exactly. my visa was in progress when the election happened and I was like, well, I'm already, you know, I'm already halfway yeah. in, so I might Fun as well keep it. going yeah. it. Uh, and people are like, why did you move here? And it's like, what am I going to do? Not move here? Not move to New York? Yeah. Uh, like, no, yeah. no. Um, yeah. Have you seen New York? It's incredible. Right. I'm really grateful that I get to be here. Um, and a lot of the reason for that is that I'm from Canada. <laughs> why do you, like, I'm interested in why you like living in New York, because I feel like, you know, you're talking about some of the same things that I encounter with, you know, the like, why would you leave New Zealand thing? And for me, it's because it's incredibly boring down here. <laughs> and I <laughs> imagine maybe sometimes that's true of parts of Canada. Yeah. I don't know. What's, well, well, what's the New York fascination there's no way that i can say this without sounding like a snob who moved to the states and thinks that the states or the u.s uh is just like the greatest thing which obviously i don't even think that yeah but no canada, no <laughs> canada is in many ways a very good place and i'm very lucky and grateful to have been born and grow up there um there are basically three major cities uh that are like I would say globally relevant. There are other major cities. So you've got Winnipeg and Calgary um, and places like that, but they're not really sort of on that 
that level and they're pretty isolated as well um, just in terms of sheer distance and also have yeah. awful winters, like way worse than anything on the East Coast. Um, yeah. So Toronto was really nice. I, I actually, I lived there total for like seven years on and off. Um, so I like it okay, a lot. Wow. And um, yeah, the thing is, having been in New York, it's depressing to be back in Toronto because yeah. Toronto is trying to shed its identity in order to become New York. This is how I see it. It seems like Toronto looks at New York and is jealous and wants to be that. And the way that they're trying to do that is by trying to just like accelerate this process of growth by selling off all this property to developers and building luxury condos. But like, that's oh, not, no. that's not how it works. Um, and that's yeah. actually the opposite of how you create like a vibrant city. Uh, yeah. Like that's how you, you bleed character. Toronto and, and how you make it unlivable for the people who make it a city that people want to live in because yeah, Toronto has an enormous housing crisis or it did the last time I checked because there's just so little affordable housing and there's all these high cost units that were being bought up by people who aren't even living in them because they're like, they're not even in the country. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And there's like, there's lots of wonderful places to live in Canada. And I think for a lot of people, you know, there, a lot of those cities, those smaller cities can be really amazing places to live. And I think for a while that was, that was me. And at this point in my life right now, um, I feel like I just need to be somewhere that's a little more sort of um, fast paced, I guess. Um, yeah. Even if I, I don't. I'm completely with you. Yeah. Even if I don't always take advantage of it, because I'm not really the kind of person right now who goes out and parties until, you know, two or three or four because it's New yeah. York. Um, <laughs> I mostly stay in and go to sleep early, but like, I love the fact that I can hop on the train and like, uh, go into the city if I want to, but I can also stay in my, my neighborhood, which is pretty quiet, except that like some weekends people will be having parties. So like, there's all this stuff going on on the street or like, I can go into like this little, like electronic store, like a block away from me to get my mic fixed, which I did earlier today because it wasn't working um, and get it fixed. And while I'm waiting for it, just like have like a half hour talk with this old, like, like unity style, uh, like old school uh, community organizer activist guy. And just like talk about like yeah. evil and like how power works and stuff. And it's just like fucking amazing. And then go to a bodega and get like a, uh, a sandwich and a coffee for like two dollars yeah it's just i don't know there's i've been spoiled <laughs> yeah it's so i'm great. kind of a sap i guess when it comes to the city but um i've never lived anywhere that i that i liked more that so many of the things that people don't like about it i i love um even like just how hot and gross yeah, the absolutely. subway is like sometimes i'll just walk down and be oh, like i love oh, it. it's great it's a shared experience we're all in it together you know exactly we're all disgusting together. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly how I feel about Berlin and how I talk about Berlin to people. Yeah. That, you know, it's so vibrant and the party scene is like nothing else on earth and the clubs are amazing. Am I ever going to those clubs? No, <laughs> I'm at home. I'm incredibly indoorsy. 
But I like the fact that it's going on around me and that I could opt in if I so chose. Yeah, it totally. That's, ugh, I love it. Well, I'm glad you're there. Yeah, me too. Um, and you'll have to let me know next time you're coming to the States. But I guess I need to recommend something because we sort of you got do. away from We're it. We're yeah. waiting for your rest With bated breath. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to recommend something a little... It may not be accessible to people who aren't living in a big city like we just talked about, but mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend some things that I bought the other day, although not a specific thing. So I went to a Japanese bookstore called Kinokuniya uh, a few weeks ago with a friend of mine. And they exist in other cities, I think, but there are also like other Japanese bookstores and things like that around the country. And I. Mm-hmm wandered into their magazine section and obviously most of the text although some of it is in english because english is like used fairly often in japan um most of it is in kanji or like in one of the um the like alphabets so i can't read it (laughs) but i just bought a bunch of fashion magazines and specifically like i bought like these men's fashion magazines um, and they're just like, I love just like reading them because I actually, with a lot of fashion magazines, I often like don't want to read the text because it's just like alarming. Yeah. Um, That's not what you're there for. No. One of them is this called second, the reference book for clothes enthusiasts. Um, and <laughs> I'm just like reading, looking through it. And there's just all these pictures of like a mostly like old, beautiful Japanese men in like beautiful suits, which I love. Um, and then just pictures wow. of like clothing and, and like combos of like ties and shirts and things on their own. Um, and then I have another one called Popeye, which apparently a friend of mine was in an issue of at one point. But um, this particular issue of it is called City Boys Way of Living um, <laughs> because Popeye, okay. is, Popeye is the magazine for City Boys, apparently. But it's just like a whole magazine <laughs> of people's apartments in like japan and then also a lot of them in europe and even some in brooklyn which is kind of funny um but just like how all these like weird dudes live and it's like really beautiful and pretty and i'm thinking of maybe just subscribing to some of these um because like just having them out on my coffee table and just like paging through them is so great so if you have access to anywhere where you could get into man's japanese style magazine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then I would really recommend that. Also, I'm pretty sure that Kino- City Boy, City Boy, Popeye. Um, I'm pretty sure that Kinokuniya does like will order things for you and maybe ship or something. You could probably get them on Amazon or, well, you know, not that I want to endorse Amazon, but like you can probably get them on other yeah. sites too. But what else are you going to do? Yeah. <sighs> what are you going to do? Interesting. I will be scouring my. Yeah, I don't think we, yeah, I, it would be difficult to find a Japanese bookstore in Auckland, I think, but I'm going to scour all of them for Popeyes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, how, wait, how far is Japan from Auckland? Uh, I mean, they say, seem close, but I guess they aren't. 
Yeah, they do. This is the thing. This is what I mean about New Zealand is that, you know, you, it's, it seems close to Asia and Australia and the Pacific Islands, but, oh, but it's, it's like a 12-hour flight. Oh, my God. Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, it's really just Australia is basically it, huh? And like Papua New Guinea and maybe Indonesia, and that's pretty much everything else is you're that's looking exactly at. exactly it. Yeah. It's pretty bleak. There's that little island. I know I'm not really selling it, but it's No, but it's bleak. beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful when you get here. Yeah, it's like an incredible couple of islands and there's, you know, just the most beautiful beaches and mountains and lakes and friendly people. But, man, if you want access to other places, you're, you're on your own down here. <laughs> well, you can't have everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, take take um, you know, take the good with the bad. You take the good, you take the bad, you take the thing, and then you have the facts of life, according to that theme song from that old sitcom. <laughs> and I'm afraid this is another reference that is just not going to land because it's not even a show that even I'm really familiar with. So how could you be? <laughs> well, well, nice. Yeah, nice. I thought so. That was good, right? I, I did get there. That. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed every minute of that. <sighs> well, I think that just about brings us to the end of the show. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm sorry if it's been a little bit glitchy. Um, no, yeah, it's I, been totally I, fine. I don't want to give Skype any more publicity, glowing no. publicity, but it has not been a great Skype call. No, but you know what? What? None of that matters because... Our superstar producer, Nick, is going to come on and she's just going to massage all that away and do her magic and it's going to sound perfect. Bless Nick. And it's, if you're listening to this, it sounds perfect. So you're welcome on behalf <laughs> we of We were perfect. Nick. Yeah. This was smooth. We were perfect. Nothing went wrong. Well, I was just saying actually to Nick uh, earlier, like, isn't it wild that like we are talking from literally across the world? And we're like, like, oh, the, the, there is a bit of a delay on this call <laughs> yeah. that was from around the world. And like, and Nick was we're telling so me like, spoiled. oh yeah, there's still, there's always going to be a bit of a delay on Skype just because of the physical distance. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a, we're talking across this huge distance and like, not to say like, oh, we're spoiled. We should take things, you know, not take things for granted so much, but it's just like kind of wild. One of those moments where I just stepped back and was like, Oh, right. This is the future. Oh, yeah. I mean, we are spoiled. We're, to think of that kind of incredible technology and, like you say, to kind of bitch about a half second delay. <laughs> but it is annoying because you're not used to it. But, if yeah. I could pay $5 a month for Skype for it to work 100% of the time, I would gladly. Oh I would pay $20 a month. So, Microsoft, if too. you're listening, which you obviously are, <laughs> yeah. figure it out. Sort it out. Sort it out, you know? Just sort it out. Well, do you want to tell people where they can find you online? Sure. So I'm on Twitter, unfortunately, but I spend a lot of my time on Twitter. And my at is winning protocol. And I also have a website called Critique My Dick Pick, which we talked about. It's a Tumblr. So critiquemydickpick.tumblr.com. Great. 
Yeah, that's wow. me. That's Amazing. my online presence. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Well, um, yeah, this has been super fun. Was this the first time we've ever spoken? It definitely is. Yeah. That's so great because I think we were going to meet up one time when I was in London, but it didn't end up working out, unfortunately. So maybe next time. Yeah. If we're ever in the same city, I would absolutely love to have another go at meeting up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been lovely to speak to you. You too. Yeah. Glitches aside, I hope you can work some kind of... uh, Or Nick can, like you say, massage an episode out of it. Oh. Yes. So I will talk to you later and have a great afternoon, I think. Afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> have a good have a good sleep. Good night. I will. Good night. Bye. Bye. Woodland Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co messages. You can help people find out about the show, please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.